wanna be rich, don't wanna be popular, don't wanna be selfish, no. I don't wanna be a goat, don't wanna be ignorant, don't wanna be blindfolded, I just wanna be countercultural. be violent, don't want to have a vendetta, don't want to be vengeful, no. I don't want to be a soldier, don't want to be militaristic, don't want to help that cycle, I just want to be a countercultural pacifist. I don't want to be a racist, don't want to be a capitalist, don't want to be sexist, no. I don't want to pass judgment, don't want to hold grudges, don't want to be hateful, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't want to shop at Walmart, don't want to grow Monsanto, don't want to drink Coca-Cola, no. I don't want to burn petrol, don't want to eat perfect fruit, don't want to feel guilty, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I want to be authentic, I want to be radical, I want to be optimistic, honest, I wanna be humble, I wanna be progressive, I wanna be open, I'm inspiration, I wanna be like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mao, I wanna be like Martin Luther, or Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Valim, or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, or Jesus Christ, but mostly, I just wanna be me. Just wanna be me. Hey there, Dunker Punks. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. My name is Emmett Wachowski Eldred, and I'm one of your hosts. In today's episode, we hear again from Dana Cassell. Dana is the pastor at Peace Covenant Church of the Brethren in Durham, North Carolina, and she's also one of the most energizing and thought provoking writers and speakers in the Church of the Brethren today. Dana is joined by who she herself christens as the best podcast guest ever, Dan McFadden, the director of Brethren Volunteer Service in Elgin, Illinois. Dana bestows upon Dan this prestigious honor because before the interview, he had hosted her for a homemade pot roast dinner. But I think you'll agree with me that the designation holds true when you hear Dan speak with great humor, insight, and warmth about his work with BBS. Now I've got to tell you that this feels like a timely episode. Timely because we're at a political and social moment where it's really hard to know how we can push through all of the chaos and tumult and make a positive difference. Now I'm someone who thinks big, and so I often look first to taking on unjust systems, trying to restructure a whole new world order when maybe what the world needs more than anything is people who are just willing to roll up their sleeves and be the hands and feet of Jesus, leading by example to show a vision of what the world could be. 
as we'll hear, sometimes the most transformational thing you can do is something as radical and as simple as the small things that just need to be done, but also the small things that make a real difference in the lives of individuals and the hearts of communities. It's timely also for me personally, because my wife, Marissa, just decided to join BVS for a position that she'll start in August, and that means that I'm starting to think about it as well. BVS is something that I've always kicked around and wanted to do, and I just don't know if the timing will ever be better than right now. And then, just days later, I listened to this episode, where Dan and Dana extol many of the virtues of what it means to participate in Brother and Volunteer Service. So, I haven't made any decisions yet, but this conversation certainly feels like a nudge in that direction. It's also just an impactful episode because, as Dana and Dan will discuss, BVS encapsulates so much of what it means to be a dunker punk. Since its first initial stands for brother, and it's already got the dunker part down pretty well. And you're going to hear several examples of how there really isn't anything more punk, more radical, more troublesome and transformational than a year or two of committed, sacrificial, immersive volunteer service. And most of all, I think that you'll enjoy this episode because it features one of my all-time favorite things to listen to, great stories. Dan has been the director of BVS for 22 years which is actually as long as I've been alive. And so with all those years of service comes a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom, and a whole lot of great stories. So settle in and get ready for an awesome conversation. Dana, take it away. Hey, Dunker Punks. Dana Cassell here. And I'm really excited about this episode because I learned so much about what it means to be a Dunker Punk, even though that term didn't exist yet when I served through Brethren Volunteer Service in 2007 and 2008. There are over 7,000 people who are alumni of BVS, and this year, 2018, is the 70th anniversary of the program. That's a lot of stories about people living the sacrificial love of Jesus in a real and dedicated way. Dane McFadden has been the director of BBS for 22 years, and I've known him for, I think, around 11 years. He has so many stories that we could barely fit them into this podcast. So if you catch Dan out on the road at a conference or NYC or just see him in passing, grab him and ask for more stories. He's got a ton. But I hope you enjoy this. Here's Dane McFadden. So introduce yourself. Who are you? Who am I? I'm uh, Dan McFadden, uh, and uh, in this context, I'm the director of Brethren Volunteer Service uh, for the Church of the Brethren. Live and work here in Elgin. We were based with the denominational offices in Elgin, Illinois. So, uh, Dunker Punks, Dan McFadden, and I are sitting in his living room in mm-hmm. Elgin, Illinois, with multiple Christmas trees because still recording after Christmas. Because Dana came over for lunch and. We were thinking of taking stuff down yesterday, but we said, no, no, we don't want to be in the middle of taking down Christmas <laughs> stuff, so we'll keep it up while Dana's here. Yeah, the best podcast guest ever, because you fed me pot roast before we sat Oh, down. man, yeah. Which also means i got to be careful, Dana, because I don't want to fall asleep here. This is the post- <laughs> it is prime post, time. Yeah. I'm doing pretty good. We had coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dan, how long have you been the director of Brother Volunteer Service? Well, I've been a little over 22 years. 22 years? Yeah, 22 years. I guess years. it was 18. 
Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. now 22. It's um, a little surprising to me because when I started this, my predecessors were five, six, seven years. I think the longest was seven. The very first BVS director was over the whole program. I can't think of his name right now. He was for 10 years, but he wasn't the director in the same capacity that the director's been since the late 60s. So I thought, you know, I'd be in this for five or six years. I was a social worker mm-hmm. uh, working in the mental health and addictions field, and I thought I'd go back to that, but I've stayed. I still have the mental health. Actually, I do work in the mental health and addictions yeah, field. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes. But that means that you are the longest tenured director of Brethren Volunteer Service ever. Yeah, that's right. That's a lot of uh, stories. There's a lot of stories. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. So how did you how did you get to this job? Well, specifically, I've tended, Dana, to, I've oftentimes followed the lead of others. Mm-hmm. So I've not been one who has struck out, like I didn't strike out to be the director of BVS, you know, mm-hmm. out of college. I actually hadn't even considered BVS myself until later. And so it's oftentimes been at the urging or the guidance of others or the suggestions that they lead me to what I'm doing. And it was Chris Douglas. I was on a team of hers in the youth office back in the, uh, starting in the early nineties. That would have been like a denominational youth. Yeah. We were a youth training team. There were six or seven or eight of us on this team Mm -hmm. and, uh, several pastors and some others. And, um, Dave Witkowski was in that. And, Mm -hmm. Uh, Christy Waldersdorf and Susan Boyer. That's a um, that's like a who's who of Dunker Punk. Yeah, yeah, that was a great. Yeah, so we were uh, we were part of this youth training team that she had put together, and she and I were coming back from a district training event that we had been at with youth and youth leaders, and she said, "You know, the BVS position's open. You ought to think about it." I had never really considered working at the headquarters at the with the office staff. I didn't think there was anything I was qualified for. And Wendy, my wife, has been on staff by then for a number of years, over 10 years. But I thought, you know, if there's any job out there that I might be able to do, I think it might be this one. And as I looked into it and thought about it, I thought, yeah, I could do that. I'd be interested in that. And I have some ideas for it and stuff. And so I applied. So um, most of people listening probably might know what BVS is, but can you explain what Brethren Volunteer Service is? Brethren Volunteer Service, it's a volunteer, full-time volunteer program of the denomination. Uh, It's been around for 70 years this year. Um, started in 1948. This, wait, this is the 70th, 70th It's the 70th year, yeah. So yeah. a full-time volunteer program. People serve for one or two years in placement sites around the country and some overseas, uh, and they do volunteer work and whatever the needs of the organization they're going to. So we have settings in homeless shelters. We have settings with people with uh, developmental disabilities. We have pe- uh, settings with uh, in some soup kitchens. We have settings at church camps. We have settings in congregations, schools, any of those kind of, a lot of human need, social service type mm-hmm. settings. And BVS is a program of the Church of the Brethren. So it's, been a, it's a program of the denomination of the Church of the Brethren. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about how it started? It came out of World War, after World War II, and particularly after the uh, CPS camps. So folks that were doing alternative service from mm-hmm. being conscientious objectors during World War II had served in a number of different camps. And so, and conscientious objectors or people doing alternative service would be folks who did not want to serve in the, the military. military. Right. So the government in World War II, not in World War One, but in World War II, gave persons who identified themselves as pacifists, particularly for religious reasons, so particularly the Mennonites, the Brethren, and the Quakers, mm-hmm. gave them opportunities to serve their country in capacities not in the military. And mm-hmm. so in this case, they were working uh, for Forest Service. They worked in 
uh, hospitals. They worked in mental health hospitals, mm-hmm. psychiatric hospitals, any number of different settings like that. And after World War II, some of the young people in the Church of the Brethren, this was happening also in the Mennonites, mm-hmm. began hearing stories of the devastation in Europe in particular. And people came back from their time in Europe telling these stories. And there was a keen interest uh, in having a program that they could serve in. There were already mm-hmm. volunteers who were serving for a year and getting, at that time, the stipend, the monthly stipend was $7.50 for a month. And uh, so there was already already a volunteer program of some sorts. Uh, it wasn't called Brethren Volunteer Service, but mm-hmm. they were brethren, they were volunteers, they were doing service. And uh, they formalized this at an annual conference in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. And young people were a, a significant push behind that. And it was an unusual event in the life of the church because mm-hmm. the agenda for the conference had been set and the agenda item came to the conference after the business had been running. Mm-hmm. And so to bring some new item of business is just very out of the ordinary. Uh, but they opened it up. The folks voted for it, supported it unanimously. Mm-hmm. And by the end of 1948, they had two orientations. They were at the very beginning, three months long in New Windsor, Maryland. And the one that started in September, and in addition to that, the one that started in December, they had 50 people. Combined. So, combined. Wow. Yeah. And conference, if the annual conference where it was created would have been in the summer. That's right. right. So in the summer, so by September, after conference was over probably sometime in, in June or July, they had a couple of months to pull it together and off it went. And they had it, the, I'm, they had to have had some of the basics mm-hmm. down and some of the ideas, but they had a group of young people that were already willing to serve. Most of the people coming into BVS at that time came out of uh, college, but mm-hmm. there were a fair number that came out of high school. You had to be 18. Uh, Brethren Service was already sending people to Europe to do service work, and so they dovetailed with them in Europe. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of combination. There's so much about that about the BVS origin story that feels dunker punk to me because, uh-huh. like, Radical. it was young people. Yeah, young people. They saw a need and they wanted a way to meet it. Yep. And they they created it. It wasn't on the agenda. Yeah. They just knew yeah. it was something that was needed, and so they like made it happen. There had been a there the year before. There had been some peace caravans that were going around to camps and to mm-hmm. churches talking about peace, and this idea kept growing. And there were some older folks behind this. One of the persons that was sharing the stories from Europe was M.R. Ziegler, and one of the instigators for BVS was Dan West, mm-hmm. uh, who instigated a number of things back mm-hmm. then, uh, including Heifer International. But yeah. yeah, he was behind this, and off it went. So that's 70 years of people yeah. serving. Yeah. Do you know what the total BVS They were probably is? around seven, over 7,000. 7,000. But I've been saying that for the last 10 years. So um, our <laughs> number... 7, so, eh, maybe 7,500. Maybe 7,500. We did a count. For the 50th anniversary, we did a count. We went back and pulled out every unit file and counted all of the volunteers that were in attendance of that unit that had gotten placed. Yeah. One at a time. One, two, you know, went yeah. through there. And we came up with something like 6,800, but the database, or maybe 6,500, but the database showed that there were another 700 names of people that had been identified as serving in BVS. And so what we figured was is that these, so back in the 50s and 60s, when people were coming in because of the draft, uh, they sometimes went to their assignments still counted as BVSers, but they didn't go through a training. Mm-hmm. And um, we figured there were about 700 people that must have done that. And we knew a number of people that had not that just gone to their assignments right away. Some of that was because of the need of the assignment. Some of that was because of the need of the, of the draft board that wanted them to go right away. Yeah. And so you count those other people, we got over 7,000. So I don't have an exact count. Yeah. 
That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Well, and you have been the director for 22 years. Yeah. And I think you could probably name every volunteer that's come through during your tenure. I just <laughs> met a volunteer yesterday who served from 1997 to 2002, and oh, yeah. I said her name. And you're like, oh, yeah, of course. She was in Nigeria. I know who that is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cop. Mimi Cop. Mimi Cop. Well, I couldn't name everybody, but I might recognize their faces. And then in some cases, I could actually say where they went and for, you know, what were the, and what were the issues that came up while they were there. <laughs> but I go back to some of those early years and I think, oh, I don't remember where they served. And I know they look familiar, yeah. but um, I'm surprised when I do remember a name, yeah. but I'm also aware that I, uh, you go back 20 years. It's kind That's of a lot of people, a lot of people. And I figure we did a count a couple of years ago when I hit the 20th, yeah. my 20, 20th year, one of my supervisors wanted to know how many volunteers had come through, and it was over a thousand during, during your my tenure. Time. Yeah, wow. something like that. So that means, I Dan, think. that you have like thousands upon thousands of stories from yeah, BBS. Well, I do, and it, and BBS stories are funny stories and yeah. like good stories. Yeah, my good. B, I served in BBS in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, yeah. and a couple years after our time of service, we got together for a reunion, oh, and yeah. the stories included crazy things like yeah. nude calendars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like I don't proposals like midnight yeah, proposals yeah. and it was just to get married you mean to get married yeah, yeah there yeah, were other proposals yeah. too yeah, I'm sure no, to get married and just crazy stuff yeah, so yeah. I want to know do you have favorite stories well and ninety percent of those stories I don't know you right. know and there are probably a good ten percent of those ninety percent stories that I don't know that I shouldn't know right. <laughs> but um, there's one that I think epitomizes BVS in a number of ways so we do get young people that come in and this is a young woman who came in, uh, had been very interested in BVS. She graduated high school. She was 19. She was a little bit older. She'd been adopted uh, as a teenager. And she got really interested in going to a project in San Antonio, the San Antonio Catholic Worker. And this young woman was um, cute, you know. And so we were a little cautious for her. We were saying, you know, you got to be careful when you go down there to San Antonio because at the Catholic Worker, most of the people you're going to work with are men. They're homeless men. At that time, uh, they weren't housing people there anymore because the building that they were staying in couldn't mm -hmm. house people, but they were still feeding people. Most of the people coming by were men, 100, maybe 100 a day. Mm -hmm. And we were a little concerned because it was summertime in New Windsor where we did our training, and she just dressed, I mean, it was hot. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you wear T-shirts and short pants and stuff, but we said, you know, you go down to San Antonio, it's going to be even hotter, but you got to be careful with what you wear. Mm -hmm. Well, she didn't, but she learned. Like, you know, she learned pretty quickly and the staff down there, you know, reminded her and told her. And so, so part of the story is she grew during her time and then mm -hmm. she comes to the retreat. So she had gone down in the summer, late summer, and she comes to the retreat in March and she has this story and she wasn't going to tell it, but somebody else said, you have got to tell this story. Mm -hmm. So I think you've heard this one before too. I so she, she tells a story. She's downtown San Antonio. It's on a Sunday. So they're not receiving any guests at the Catholic Worker House. She's on her own and she's going to grab a bite for lunch and she bumps into one of the guys that comes by the Catholic Worker and she starts talking with him and then she says, you know, I have a, she had a dilemma in her head mm -hmm. that she felt like she should either, um, she probably should invite him in for lunch. Mm -hmm. And she said, I thought about what would Jesus do? And some of this came from her own church upbringing, but some of this came also, I'm sure, from orientation, being at the mm -hmm. Catholic Worker House, the whole shebang. And she said, you know, I thought I should take him in. So she invited him in for lunch. Now, in my book, it violates all kinds of things. Like mm -hmm. my social work side says there are some boundaries there and you've mm -hmm. got to be careful and you don't cross these boundaries. But she worked at a Catholic worker house, which doesn't have as clear boundaries. Yeah. And it's a place where I think actually 
you can serve people on a more equal basis. And when you're talking about boundaries, you're talking about like who is being served and who is like yeah. on staff doing. Yeah, and staff, and, and you know, yeah. when you're on staff, you're not able to be friends, and mm-hmm. when you're technically, you know, and so you're friends. In this case, she would have been, you know, she met somebody, so this is a, someone she knew. This was a friend, but you can't really be their friend. Mm-hmm. You know, you shouldn't be fraternizing with the mm-hmm. clients. And so here she's having lunch, which I think actually is one of the values of a Catholic worker because they would say that's nuts, you know, mm-hmm. and I like that on mm-hmm. some level. So that's that punk side. Yeah. You know, you yeah. think of the dunker punk side, you know, that it violates the rules. And I think actually Splitting when, people up into categories yeah. of I'm, I'm the helper, you're yes. the person who needs yes. help. That's, so that's when that stuff. happens, you know, I think that's the radical side that I think, yeah, that violates the ethics of social work practice, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's the good side. So she invited him. him so in. she invited him in for lunch and some of the other patrons were uncomfortable because he's homeless and he probably smelled some or whatever. So one of the waiters comes over and asks him to leave. Doesn't even talk to oh, her. Oh, this is a restaurant. Restaurant. Yeah, okay. it's a restaurant. Well, this young woman has some spunk <laughs> and I thought it was great. And she stood up for him. She said, he won't leave. I'm not going to, he's my friend and we're having lunch. And so then she refused to leave and the manager came over and she de- demanded to be served and they were. Mm. Um, and I thought that was just a powerful story. And I'm still interested. Mm. I, I haven't, so that was 10 years ago, a little bit more. And I'm still, I would like to be back in touch with her to find mm-hmm. out what she's doing mm-hmm. and how her experience has influenced her. Yeah. Um, but I think it was a sign of growth, uh, strength on her part that she, you know, there may have been some immaturity in that she wasn't aware of those boundaries, Mm -hmm. but I think it's classic BVS protest. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had another volunteer, not during my tenure, but even before that, who down in San Antonio was protesting the treatment of the homeless in San Antonio, and he was, you know, leading some protests downtown. And that's not as common today uh, in the volunteers, but I think, you know, there were volunteers back in the late 60s that were struggling with doing the clothing processing at New Windsor, Maryland. That was part of their training time. Uh, And that's how they paid for orientation. And they Mm -hmm. sat down on the job. And I think, Mm -hmm. had I been the director, I'd have been like, oh my gosh. But at the same time, (laughs) there's a part of me that's really proud of that. You know, and so I think this young woman's story and her experience in San Antonio is along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. It's classic. And it's, I love that story too, because it's also like, Mm -hmm. I think you and I probably both know that person, Mm -hmm. but there are 7,000 stories We've like that. We've done something like, yep, and it, yep. And that's, it's not a heroic act. Mm-hmm. Like, none of these people are celebrities. Are there any PBS alumni celebrities? Yes, there is one relatively famous one back from the early 50s. Don, I was just talking about him <laughs> last week. Don Murray was a movie actor. Okay. And he had been on Broadway and a little bit in the movies before he came into BBS. He was raised in the um, another denomination, and but... Uh, decided that he was not in favor of going to war. He came into BVS. Finally, the draft board allowed him to come into BVS. And uh, he served, and then he went back into the movies. He was nominated for an Oscar for his uh, role in the movie Bus Stop with Marilyn Monroe in 1957. Uh, He has a a star on the Walk of Fame. He was in a couple of television shows and stuff. He's 88. I just talked to him last week. So um, Okay, so we have one BVS. But that's it. (laughs) Well, and you think of people like Dale Ackerman, you know, who uh, was a well-known writer in peace circles and stuff. And, um, 
But that's out that people wouldn't know him. Yeah. And I don't know that many Dunkle Punks know Don Murray either. Right. Although no, they... star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Mm-hmm. Pretty high up there. Pretty high. Yeah. But so that's one one, one. sort of like worldwide celebrity. Yeah. But six thousand nine hundred and ninety nine other right. BBS alumni stories are stories of like deep transformation. Yep. Yep. That no one really knows. Like, right. people's lives have been changed. Yes. So yeah. why? Why is Well, that I think, and it, it's, this wouldn't be true just for BVS. This would be true for Mennonite Voluntary Service, Lutheran Volunteer Corps, mm-hmm. Jesuit Volunteer Corps. Whenever you're out serving and when you're giving of yourself, I think it puts you in a different position. And when you're in an organization where you're serving as a volunteer, you're in a spot where oftentimes you get called on to help out because you're the volunteer and you have more flexibility. And maybe, you know, somebody's been hired for this job and it's a little harder to get them to do something else, but they're hired for this job and they get disgruntled or you got to work some overtime and, you know, the volunteer, can you make a run to the airport and pick up so-and-so? I realize that's not your job, but can you go do that? You know, can you stay later and do this? Can you come in on the weekend and help with this event? Volunteers are in a position to be able to be asked to do that. Mm-hmm. And are hopefully we've trained them or set them up to be willing to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the idea is you're volunteering and you're there to be at service to the organization and whatever is needed. So, And so that, that probably means that BBSers find themselves in situations where they would never have been <clears throat> oh, otherwise. Yeah. Well, especially with young people. Mm-hmm. You get our very young people... So we have, here's another story. So this is just a couple of years ago. A young woman goes out to California to this homeless shelter. She's 18. Mm-hmm. She actually, at orientation, she was 17. Her birthday, mm-hmm. she turned 18 four days after orientation ended. She flies out there. She's homesick, yeah. homesick, like homesick. And she's it's from like Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. York and yeah. Pennsylvania. And she's so homesick, you feel sorry for her. You feel bad because mm-hmm. she's, it's like, this isn't one of those things where you just grow up, you know, you're going to get over it. It's like, Oh, no, she might need to come home homesick. But she makes it, and she she does fine. And then she takes on some responsibility in this homeless shelter, and she starts working there in the food service. And she becomes like the the head food service person because the food head food service manager goes on uh, medical leave, and she takes over. She's 18, and she runs the place, and like she loves runs it. runs this huge kitchen that's yeah, yeah, yeah. feeding This huge kitchen. She's getting lots of volunteers yeah. coming in. She organizes it. Yeah. You know, They love her. She's actually considered staying, but then decides to go back home and goes to school. And I said to the one of the staff at Abode, you would never have hired her mm-hmm. from high school. They said, oh, never. Mm-hmm. No. But they'll take him as a volunteer and then put him in these positions of responsibility. Yeah. And they're only 18. But they're, but they're volunteers. And I don't know. Something, yeah. There's something in that process. And some of them don't make it. You know, some of them sure. aren't very capable, you know. But a lot of them are. A lot of them are. Well, yeah. There was a, a woman in my BBS unit who went to serve at an advocacy organization on Capitol mm-hmm. Hill. And the office was very small. It was right. just her, the volunteer, and the executive director. And something happened. Executive, the executive director, director left. left they and made her the executive director. She became director. the executive director yeah. of an advocacy organization. And then she later goes on to be an assistant or uh, an aide in the mayor's office uh, in yes, DC, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, she was capable. Yes. Holy schmoly, she was capable. <laughs> but, but we it, get them. But there's something. So yeah. getting kind of thrown into positions of responsibility yeah. is one thing, but also being put in these contexts like places and neighborhoods and yeah. organizations where probably most BBS volunteers have not been in. No. Not lived no. in places like no. where they go to live yeah. and experience life 
And we've gotten so I remember early on getting some critique, you know, you don't have any much of your training that has to do with living in the city. And I said, you're going to have to get that training when you get there, because mm-hmm. we don't we have people that go out into the rural sections. We have people that are going overseas. It's hard mm-hmm. for us to have a specific focus on training. But the reality is you're going to get that training, you know, and some people don't completely get it. But a lot of people do, mm-hmm. you know, and we hope that they're paying attention when they're at their places of service. And So you also hear stories from people about how like the, the path of their lives mm-hmm. kind of shifted yeah. because of their experience. I got one. BDS. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, I was at a, a family camp in Maryland and this guy was from Delaware and he said, you know, I came into BVS and I was sent down, to, he was out of high school, went sent down to Mississippi and he starts working in this housing program down there and he learns all kinds of stuff about the housing association and all kinds of different things about housing and that kind of stuff. comes back to Delaware and then he gets a job with the federal government doing housing work and it set his life course and he got a master's degree and stuff like that but he said had it not been and he knew stuff he he came back from this program that he had been working with and he was trained and yeah. here he's 19 years old 20 years old he went back to college and stuff eventually mm-hmm. but he was already in that that's the work he did he did housing work for the rest of his for life for his life yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. He said if it hadn't been for BVS, he doesn't know what he would have been yeah. doing. You know? And you and I have, in the last couple of years, done some work with alumni of yeah. BVS and That's other right. volunteer programs. And one of the things that I think we heard over and over was that people who had done one of these volunteer programs had trouble oh, after leaving yeah. them because yeah. they felt like they had seen the world a different way. And then they tried to go back into the, quote, normal world um, and they felt ill at ease and they didn't quite know. Well, this speaks to... One of the phrases that I think got taken by the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, they took mm-hmm. it from us, but we always talked about people being ruined for life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's part of that, you know, that you you get this opportunity and you're serving. And again, I can't I can't necessarily maybe if I were tried, I'm not a writer, mm-hmm. but if or a policy person, but if I were trying to put into words what happens, because mm-hmm. um, this was like an earlier question, what happens when you serve? I don't know, but something's different, mm-hmm. you know. And then it's that different thing that takes place for people, yeah. where they feel like they're connected, and maybe it's particularly if you're really young and you're able to do things in the capacity of some of these agencies that you just wouldn't have done. I mean, the volunteers get ruined when they go to college. If you do BVS first, if you do a gap year in a significant kind of role like this, and then you go back to college, your peers who are just starting are clueless sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've been working and people say, well, when you get done with BVS, go get a real job. And I Mm -hmm. say, you know, these are real jobs. I mean, these are real people's lives. And you've had an impact, not only on their life, but they've had an impact on yours. And yeah. maybe it's the other way around, actually. So I, when so I um, did my orientation back in yeah. 2007, and my placement was here in Elgin at the Church mm-hmm. of the Brethren Denominational Offices. And I have this really distinct memory of, at orientation, you eat very simply yeah. and live very <laughs> simply. And mm-hmm. volunteers cook all their meals for each other, and it's on a budget of, I guess it was about... Back then it was 50 cents for breakfast, 75 cents for lunch and a dollar for dinner per person. Yeah. So less than $2 a day right. per person for your meals. And it was scary, but it worked out. Like yeah. I, we all survived. Everybody had enough to eat. We might've been hungry once in a while, but we mm-hmm. learned how to do that. 
And then I came from three weeks of that orientation to here where it was board meeting weekend. Oh, yeah. So the denominational <laughs> board was meeting uh-huh. and all these, you know, visitors from around the country were here. Mm-hmm. And so it was a big event and there were a bunch of catered meals. Right, right. And I was horrified. Yeah. I was like, why are we spending so much money on food that gets yeah. wasted? It ruined you. It didn't ruined, it? It ruined me. you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I got right. over that. Like, yeah. But, you know, in most By of dinner the time, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't even really think about that. You're just like, right. oh, people are here. They need to eat. We're going right. to have it catered. Yeah. But I just remember that, like, cognitive dissonance of, yeah. we don't have to do this. There's a whole other way to make <laughs> what, this happen. What would it have been like if three of the board members had to cook meals right. for the rest of the group, <laughs> right. right, on a dollar? Yeah. It was actually, the total would have been $2.25. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so a little over $2. Yeah. $2. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's, so I think this happens for volunteers that mm-hmm. they have this experience and then the quote unquote normal world feels different yeah, after right. and it that's feels like we don't quite fit in it yeah. anymore because yeah. we've seen another way is yeah. possible. Like there's another way to do this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for me, it feels like BVS has that relationship with a larger church mm-hmm. that BVS is on a little different page than maybe. Well, and I church. remember my, so the head of the mission and ministry, no, the head of the global mission and service department, mm-hmm. Jay Whitmire has commented about other church leaders who maybe didn't have, he was an MCC in Nepal mm-hmm. and who haven't had that, MVS, MCC, BVS kind of experience that they just don't understand. And, mm-hmm. you know, and missionaries maybe would have a similar kind of experience in terms of living in a different culture and, and outside of your comfort zone. And in some cases, living with less than what you might normally expect to in our mm-hmm. fully Western middle class, upper middle class world, you know. And so, and then you start questioning when you come back, you know, how can they have meals like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just, I'm, I remember talking to those alumni. We have a series of mm-hmm. retreats for alumni. Right. And I remember so many people saying, I can't find a church anymore because no. I went to BVS and learned about this other way of like being the church and my home church. Oh, it we feels so them. different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the, what's well, that's the punk side of the dunker, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that mm-hmm. the dunker is the church member and the punk is the part that screwed you up. Yeah. The other side of the coin is that I know so many BVS alumni who are in traditional congregations mm-hmm. who are doing things, quote, the BVS way yeah. and making a difference in those yeah. congregations right. and have committed themselves to being there, too. So has BVS ruined you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's shaped me. And the, the place where it's shaped me has been the volunteers. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're the probably the most significant way in which I get shaped when I bump into them throughout the year, even struggling with them when they're having difficulties, mm-hmm. you know, and later bumping into them and finding out that, you know, they're doing all right. And we had a woman come to one of these alumni retreats mm-hmm. uh, several <laughs> couple of years ago. And, and I think she had had a rough time. She mm-hmm. left her assignment early during that time. She had been hospitalized psychiatrically and so it was hard, but she had, she had recovered from that and was getting better and was doing much better. And it had been, it had been seven or eight years, I mm-hmm. think. And she was just really grateful to have some closure to that. And also some recognition that she in fact had served mm-hmm. and she had, you know, mm-hmm. and that was pretty, pretty yeah. amazing. I mean, this is one of the things I appreciate about you is that you are committed to making mm-hmm. a place where people can serve if yeah. they feel called to serve. And that's I think this is a way that BVS is different than some other long-term mm-hmm. volunteer programs. BVS doesn't have an age limit. Anyone right. from 18 right. to... Uh, 84 is our oldest volunteer, okay. I think. 84 can and do serve yeah. at any mm-hmm. given time. Yeah. Um, and there's not a requirement that you be 
you know, some programs that we've interacted with have this expectation that you'll be sort of like the cream of the crop of right, the young adults. Right, like you'll have right. great grades and lots of experience yeah. and really committed. We like those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but VVS is not a place that requires excellence. Right. Um, and you bend over backwards to make sure that people who are feeling called to serve mm-hmm. can, serve. can serve. And I mean, only, you know, all the details of what that has entailed in 22 yeah. years. But I know that, I mean, you work with projects to make a place and to offer support. And when people struggle, you're, I know you say, okay, I'm going to call you today. Uh, you want to go home? This is really hard. Let's see how it is tomorrow. Do you have the longest streak that you've called someone daily? Oh, probably three or four days. And then we, yeah. then, then it, you know, then probably there's either a decision made or else they're doing all right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. And some volunteers mm-hmm. have significant challenges oh, yeah. to serving. That's I mean, right. mental health, physical yeah. health, some yeah. social anxiety. We've had, we had, um, I mean, I remember Chuck Boyer was one of my predecessors, mm-hmm. director of BVS and, and when he was still alive, uh, early on in my time, um, I remember having somebody that we struggled with and maybe got him placed. And I just said, Chuck, what did you used to do? You know, and he said, I, we were the church and we tried to place him. I thought, mm. okay. You know, and I, yeah. and he, I thought of him as a, he would have been an excellent mentor. And in that particular capacity, he did mentor me and mm-hmm. supported me in that. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's what we tried to do. Try yeah. to find a place for people in the church. Well, it hasn't, I mean, it hasn't been without opposition. No. Like, I remember staff conversations oh, yeah. where people said, this is too much of our time and energy on You've one You've been person. there, Dana. Yeah. You were there yeah. during one of those times. <laughs> I, there was an orientation that I couldn't go to at Camp Myrtlewood, and we had a volunteer that, that I had accepted, and we had a lot of questions, a yeah. lot of questions, yeah. and he didn't make it out of orientation. He yeah. had to leave early. But you were committed to making a place for him at orientation. Well, we tried. So my question is, <laughs> what compels you to work so hard? to make space for people to serve. Why well, is that important to you? I think um, my background before, so I'm a social worker. Mm-hmm. I came out of the social work tradition, working in the mental health and addictions field. And the transformation that can take mm-hmm. place uh, when people in addic- who are addicted uh, and begin recovery is, is significant. Mm-hmm. And I think um, BVS, while that's not our primary goal, to be an opportunity for people. Well, it is a a goal for people to be transformed, but if there's an option for people to have an opportunity to make it, then this can be one of those places. Mm -hmm. And most of the people that are thought of, uh, well, we'll have them go to BVS. They'll fix them, Mm -hmm. you know, come out of the church. And, but that's the church, you know, Mm -hmm. this is putting into practice what Jesus said. And Jesus, you know, ministered to the lepers and ministered to people when the rest of the world around him said no, mm-hmm. and he said yes. And so I think in the same way we do that too. Yeah. Does it come with a cost? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it come with volunteer st- or the staff looking at me and saying, Dan, you <laughs> dingbat, why did you say yes to this person? I said, I'm sorry, and we tried. You yeah. know. And is it hard on the training staff when, when we have struggles and we're in the emergency room because mm-hmm. of someone's mental health issues? Yes. Mm-hmm. you know. And hopefully I can be there with them and take the brunt of that. Does it have a cost on the project sites when that happens? Absolutely. But I don't think there's any that wouldn't say they would not keep trying. Well, and and just from my perspective, to think about particular volunteers who Mm -hmm. you have walked with through all all manner of struggles, who know, like this one volunteer you're remembering who had some closure at this retreat, who know, even if they didn't even if they left their project, even right. if like on paper it was a quote failure, right. they know that Dane McFadden's in their corner right. and that BBS 
made a place for them and that they were well, not. Yeah. And I unworthy. would hope that it's not just Dan McFadden, but it's the BVS, the staff, the organization and the churches behind them. Sometimes that's their own congregation too, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there've been many a time when I've been in touch with pastors to say, yeah, this is, um, this hasn't been working out and mm-hmm. we try to coordinate what we're going to do. So how has being director of BVS for 22 years, longest tenured director in the history of the program, some, how many, 4,000 volunteers? Oh, no, for me? For you? Oh, maybe about 1,000. 1,000 volunteers? <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, how has that shaped your own faith? Well, um, I think one is, you know, people can get really pessimistic about the world and about people. I'm not. These people that come through BVS are just outstanding. Outstanding. I mean, and you're, you're including all, like... Everybody. Everybody. The crew the ones, the crop people, oh, yeah. and the people, and the people that, that, that take struggle. a lot of time. I mean, it's humanity. But they're just, you know, they're out there trying to make a difference. And I think, you know, people talk about wanting to make a difference in the world and wanting to try to change the world. And this is one of the places that you can do that. Mm-hmm. And there were some times when I thought, gosh, we're primarily a white program. You know, we've worked with, we try to work at diversity. We're not, we don't do so well. I mean, we have lots to of room for improvement in that area. And so, you know, people are out working at something and and there's a lot of stuff that BVS could improve on. Or you think about some of the organizations are just Band-Aid organizations and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, they're food programs and this, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it really does provide this opportunity for folks. And to be involved at that level, I mean, I think it's a, it's been really wonderful. So mm-hmm. it shaped my faith in the sense that I, I do have hope for the world. And you come through these times here, 2018, and you think, man, the gap, the divide in our culture and in the world sometimes is pretty high. But if there are more people that would work at a program like BVS, it'd be okay. Dan, are you a dunker punk? Yes, (laughs) I I would. So here's the part. I'm a dunker. Yeah, I've been baptized, dunked under. I don't know if I was held under, but dunked under Uh in like 1965 at the Laverne Church of the Brethren. Uh-huh. This baptismal is like a swimming pool. Um, <laughs> just in that it's, when I was a kid, young. It felt really big. felt really big. Yeah. And we practiced. We actually, we went swimming because we were <laughs> practicing what it was like to get baptized. But, um, so you're the, a dunker. I'm a dunker. The punk side is, I, I think BVS continues to be radical. Mm-hmm. I'm very supportive of those who are radical, mm-hmm. even if it challenges me. I, I think that's wonderful. The folks out there in the past, uh, the Cliff Kindies, the Bob Grosses, those mm-hmm. that push the envelope, you know, that punk side, who's the radical side, if, here's that call of Jesus. Yeah, I think that's absolutely where it's at. And I'm probably beginning to move in the stages where I start, no, I'm not so sure if I want to be radicalized that much, but I'm glad to be pushed. Yeah. And I think the BBSers around me that do that, I'm grateful for them. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing BBS yeah, stories and Dan McFadden stories. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dana. If you're like me and you grew up in the Church of the Brethren, you've been hearing about BVS for a long time. And you've probably heard that phrase that Dana and Dan discuss. BVS ruins your life. I've got to admit that that has always seemed like some pretty odd branding, but I've never understood the point better than when I was listening to Dan and Dana discuss it just now. I love 
that story that Dana shares about learning to live simply while she was in brother and volunteer service, and then being shocked at the waste and excess that she observes in the world when her year of service is complete. It's like she's stepped into an entirely different world than the one she left behind. But it's not the world that changed. She changed. BVS changed her. Or the story that Dan shares of a young woman who sheds some layers of naivete and grows assertive and radical. Radical enough to insist that a restaurant names and acknowledges the humanity of a person who our society so often seeks to deprive of it. Listening, I was reminded of Paul on the road to Damascus, struck suddenly blind, later to peel the scales from his eyes and see the world entirely differently. The world hadn't changed. He had. But because he had changed, he proceeded to write letters and preach words that would change the world. That's what it means to be a dunker punk, to change ourselves, to welcome in Jesus, to transform ourselves, and then to go and change the world. BVS might ruin your life, but the life it puts in place is so much more bright, so much more hopeful, so much more transparent to God's movement and to that peace of God that is in each person. You'll be wishing you ruined your life sooner. So, just like I did, take this episode as a nudge. If you've been kicking around the idea of BVS, make this the year that you give it a serious look. If you've never really thought of BVS before, start kicking it around. Seriously, go to www.brethren.org slash BVS right now. Thank you for listening. The Dunker Punks podcast is produced by a team of more than a dozen contributors from around the United States who sometimes feel like this podcast has ruined their life, but in a really good way. This episode was edited by Kevin Schatz, and our music is by Jacob Krauss. Our executive producer is Suzanne Lay, and my name is Emmett, and I'm one of your hosts. Learn more about Dunker Punk's podcast at arlingtoncob.org slash dpp, or you can go to dunkerpunks.com. Find us on social media at dunkerpunkspod. If you have questions, comments, if you'd like to get involved, if you'd like to make a donation, uh, you can contact us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. Thank you again so much for listening, and be sure to watch out for new content and new episodes coming out every few weeks. The best podcast guest ever.